0: I'd like to tell you about a brand new podcast from my hometown of Denver. It's called Mile High Music, and it features father and son musician friends of mine, Kyle and Ryan Borthick. You'll hear crazy and amazing stories from them and their guests about music and musicians from Colorado. Mile High Music, check it out wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. I am so excited to have an old friend on the podcast today. He's an incredible guitar player. He's probably in my top five all time favorite guitar players. Don't pin me down on what the other four are because I don't want to get myself in trouble, but he's definitely one of my favorites. He's incredible and he's had an incredible career. He currently plays with Janet Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Philip Phillips from American Idol, and he's also played with Layla Hathaway, Beyonce, Jamie Foxx, Christina Aguilera, Sheila E., Jessica Simpson, Raphael Sadiq, Mary Mary, Fantasia, Queen Latifah, Andre Crouch, the list goes on and on. He's made countless TV appearances and even subbed for The Tonight Show Band when Ricky Minor was the MD. So... I think you're really going to enjoy the show. I do have one note before we start that uh, because we're in these weird quarantine times, uh, we can't always be in the same room together, so the sound quality of this is a little subpar because we did do this remotely, and but I think that it's audible enough. You can email me and tell me what your thoughts are if it's too awful, but I think the conversation was worth putting this episode out So I apologize, but um, try to enjoy this conversation with my friend, Errol Cooney. So what is Janet Jackson like to work with? She's a super easygoing and, you know,
1: soft-spoken kind of, you know, kind of probably what you would expect, I guess. I mean, she's super, she takes great care of us and. She goes out of her way to kind of spend time with everybody and talk to everybody, which is cool because that's not that's you cool. know, always the case, but uh,
0: right. yeah, it's See, easy she, and she knows what she wants for sure. So does she talk music with you guys and stuff or is there, is the music Yeah, she, does. she, she, she
1: talks about music. I mean, she pretty much lets the band kind of the musical director, Daniel, and and the band kind of handle the music. She doesn't, she's, her attitude is like just you know let's not have too many cooks in the kitchen like they know what they're doing right but i mean you know she she definitely knows if she doesn't like something she'll say i don't like that do something else you know what i mean like right. interludes or stuff you know original little pieces we come up with for uh for, for the concert
0: well that's cool and yeah. what kind of venues are you guys playing now we were
1: doing mostly arenas um we actually did a bunch of festivals last year we did we played glastonbury oh cool we did some festivals in australia um so those were bigger crowds but mostly her concerts are like you know staple center sized places arenas gotcha. that's
0: cool that she's kept it going all these years yeah it's kind of amazing <laughs> you know,
1: I, when i first started playing with her it was about five years ago um uh yeah you know, i was kind of you know i even when i was a kid dug her music you know yeah and mostly into like rock and roll i was i liked her stuff and uh i was learning her show i was like damn she's got an unbelievable catalog you know like yeah. tons tons of music and all that stuff produced by uh jimmy jam and terry lewis so It's all got that min- minneapolis vibe
0: yeah right And so is it it a pretty locked-in show, or is is it kind of loose and she calls tunes? Oh, no, it's
1: it's as locked-in as can be. I mean, there's stuff that changes, but it's locked-in. You know, like, everything's – got video sync and pyro
0: sync. Got you. So it's still big production.
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially once we got to the Vegas thing, it was pretty, pretty massive stage.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, Vegas, they do it upright.
1: They do I, that was that was a fun thing. I mean, it, it almost killed me living in Vegas for all that time. <laughs> yeah, where did it was you find were- the show was good. Where was the gig?
2: Well,
1: it was at uh, park MGM
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I just got done with a Vegas residency with Dwight, which was a big, big production too. There was like a whole like a string orchestra and stuff, and wow, uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was a three hour show of him. Basically, just talking about California country music and uh, us playing it. It was it was kind of awesome, but it was a lot of work. Like you say, and yeah. we were at the
1: mercy of the of the restaurants and bars. I think we had like a ten percent discount or something. But but I mean, yeah, I mean every bartender in that place knew us all by name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I bet so.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was a little much. And, yeah, give myself a liver cleanse for about six months when I got home.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you feel like you're a part of like the Jackson family, like legacy, being a part of that gig? Because they seem like the royalty when I think about them. You know what I mean? And totally. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I yeah, I mean it's it is that. I mean that that what a crazy showbiz family. You know what I mean? Like, they they <laughs> all her mom came to a show and um, her dad came to a show before he passed away a a few years ago, but, but they, all the, all the brothers and everybody came at some point and they would all come backstage. And it is kind of like a, well, you remember, was it, was it with you in Las Vegas that Michael came and saw the Disney show we were doing?
0: Right. Yeah. 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 We were on the high school musical show together. (laughs) And I mean,
1: there's just like a feeling when there's a Jackson in the room, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, especially that one because my yeah, he came yeah. with he came with like Secret Service and stuff, and yeah, uh-huh. he
1: had a kind of different level of security which I he needed for.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. and he had his three kids with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was amazing. I'll probably never forget that. Just watching yeah. him watch us and being like, yeah, because he was at the
1: soundboard. I remember seeing him. He was he yeah. was wearing a mask, which at the time seemed right. very.
0: yeah exactly and now it's just our everyday lives yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so you grew up like a gypsy kind of
1: yeah yeah i grew up uh, i was born in houston my my family's all from texas and um my dad is an actor my mom was an actor when i was a kid and eventually became a children's writer but uh, we moved around a lot. We were we did theatrical tours when I was really young. Um, oh, wow. So from when I was like two to four, we were on the road. But one year was in Las Vegas. But uh, oh wow, uh, we traveled all around. We would do like you know th- theater tours. They they stay in cities, so we would right. You know we were in, in Vegas for a year, and we'd be in Cleveland for three or four weeks, or you know wow. that's cool. So, yeah, we from there we moved to New York, and then from New York to LA. So my dad could kind of start getting into more uh, film and uh, television stuff. And then uh, after high school, I moved up to the Bay area. That was just on my own to kind of pursue pursue music and and, then eventually Mm -hmm. came back 10 years later. Here I am back in
0: LA. Yeah. So you had no choice. You were, you were going to be a performer.
1: Yeah. I was, I was definitely surrounded by a lot of, a lot of, uh, performers but you know my both my parents and my older brothers both played guitar and sang i remember uh that was actually you know when people asked me but it was like a, an early memory of something that made you want to be a musician I, I there were four years in a row where they my two older brothers won the battle of the bands at their high school in new york where we lived at the time uh, and i remember this is in like you know mid 80s late 80s yeah. uh, and, you know, it's big hair, and, and big hair. Exactly. So I see all, <laughs> the, you know, our brothers are playing and singing and all these big haired girls are screaming. I'm like, wow, that's what I want to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. And every day is exactly like that now. Yeah. Is <laughs> I mean, Exactly as I pictured it. Yeah. So do you go to college? Do you study music? No, not really. I, I went to, uh,
1: I did go for a couple of years to city college san francisco i took i took music classes for a couple years basically mm-hmm. I, I I didn't go beyond um two years though i just i started playing i started working a lot
2: and that
0: was right it. right and did you do you think that did you get a lot out of that or do you feel like most of the stuff that you know you just figured out on your own
1: uh it's a combination i mean i i definitely had i had a good jazz band teacher at that city college, City College of San Francisco. It was like ninety five, ninety six. And he also taught harmony, classical harmony. So that that definitely um taught me a lot. Just you know, just learning learning big band tunes and learning how to comp and right. learning how to how to voice leading and all that stuff. Um, mm. that was that was you know a very eye-opening for me, but you know, also just playing gigs around town and meeting people and hearing people that you know being forced to to learn stuff, right? Aaron right. was was just as valuable,
0: I think. Yeah. Well, it's a. I think you're probably one of the most versatile players that I know. So it's kind of amazing that you have such a vast like vocabulary stuff. You're not an old guy either, you know that. I'm starting that, to
1: feel very old.
0: <laughs> I bet you so. I still don't have kids yet, so I'm I'm staying young. <laughs>
1: yeah, good for you. Don't rush into it. But it's the best thing ever. And yeah. Out there. That's it. That's it. <laughs> rush into it.
0: Absolutely. you're just you're kind of amazing to me because there's not a lot of guys that are that talented, you know, that haven't had a little more formal training, especially I feel like now. Like the guys at the top are kind of all from Berkeley or Miami or North Texas or whatever. And you were right, like, right. you were you know, equal if not a better player than most people. And uh it was that just sitting in front of the T V like with your guitar and figuring shit out or there I was a lot
1: of that for sure. I mean I you know, I it was just I was around it a lot again. Like, you know, I had, I had my parents singing and playing and my brothers singing and playing. Right. Right. And, uh, I mean, I, I get, I had a really good high school jazz teacher. Um, I had um, a really good, um, college jazz band director. And, uh, I just was kind of surrounded. I, 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 also, I it was a weird path too. Cause I, I started off really very much just into classic rock pretty much. Mm-hmm. and yeah. then when i was in high school i got into funk and james brown and parliament funkadelic and all that stuff and then that kind of led me to jazz mm-hmm. and then playing gigs around town in san francisco led me to gospel music which was kind of the only thing that i hadn't gotcha. played a lot of right and huge shift in my playing too. meeting uh, uh eric smith and jubu smith and the uh, uh, Teddy Campbell and all these guys really kind of got me into what my professional career became. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it was just, you know, being being lucky enough to meet the right people and kind of go through this weird musical learning experience along right. the way.
0: That's cool. So then you came to LA and how long after you got here did you meet Ricky Miner and how did that all happen? Because it seems like he's been a big kind of guy in your career
1: yeah absolutely ricky uh i met ricky through teddy campbell who is his who's been his drummer forever uh and i met teddy through eric smith playing with mary mary
2: oh gotcha
1: <laughs> so that so that was kind of through the gospel world that i met ricky and started doing more stuff in la
0: was high school musical the first ricky gig you had or yeah?
1: Yeah, I had met him before that, and I had done uh, stuff that he was kind of advising on. But that was the first thing he hired me for.
0: Wow, that's
1: cool. And then he re- he recommended me for Stevie Wonder uh, not long after that, and Christina Aguilera. It was kind of one thing after the other, and then wow. Uh, and I ended up playing doing a lot of gigs with his band, The Tonight Show, whenever Paul couldn't make it, or when they would have two guitar players.
2: Wow, that's uh, crazy.
1: Yeah, that I mean that's a that's doing that kind of gig house band gigs that that'll kind of work you into shape too, because you gotta, you gotta read. I mean, he really, he yeah. got on me early about reading cause I'd never yeah. was a big reader. I could do it, but I wasn't a good like sight reader.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, being forced, you know, you get, you're going to run a tune maybe once, maybe twice. Right. And it's like, all right, that's it you know yeah. so you better feel pretty good about it after that and so <laughs> that was a big uh that was a a good experience for me getting getting into that getting through that
0: so what did you do to to work on that cuz i always think about reading and it's like so hard to sit in your room and learn it because it really takes the pressure of being on the spot. I feel like, you know, like it's, there's kind of the only way to learn is to like throw yourself into the fire a little bit, you know, but I I had, I had
1: had to fail that initial rehearsal or two and then just kind of do my homework then, and then just get in the habit of doing it, you know, get in the habit of doing it. And then when,
0: uh, and also
1: knowing to kind of approach reading the same way, you approach music not reading which is you you know use your ears still right and stay ahead and and don't Mm -hmm. don't let the paper the paper is a guide you don't want especially as a guitar player Mm -hmm. a lot of the time there's wrong stuff on there and it's really just kind of you know you see that that sim thing written it's like okay well really it's the most of the guitar parts are not written right? Accurate.
2: Right, right. You know,
1: if, it, if it's if it is a very specific part, it will be written. But knowing how to kind of interpret as well as read is right.
0: important. Read with your ears. <laughs> yeah,
1: reading with your ears. You know, don't turn anything off. Use all of it.
0: Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a little different for bass, I think, because there's a lot of times it's notated lines yeah. that you have got to play. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it depends on the gig. Is it, yeah you know, i've 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 done these like
1: some film stuff and some uh right. stuff where it is like you know you get cut time charts where everything's written out that's yeah. a day di- there's just different kinds of reading you know too yeah um but yeah, you just kind of gotta immerse yourself in all of it and you know screw yeah. it up a couple times and keep working on it you know what I mean like it's
0: yeah and just hope that you don't get fired in the process.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. The goal yeah. is to not get fired for
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been in some pretty scary situations where you're surrounded by guys, especially on a TV gig where it's like these guys get paid to read, they're readers. Or if you're mm-hmm. if, if you're playing with strings, and a lot of times the bass is sort of doubling the cello, so there's someone else playing your part and they know when you screw up, you know. Mm-hmm. And just Yeah, well, to-
1: I, I as I got better at it, I found myself spec because Guitar and bass sometimes we will have you know right, yeah, we'll be playing in unison, yeah, and i started I started to catch you know some of the people, yeah, veering away from the chart, you know, right. of course, I got to be superior and correct them <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the best, <laughs>
1: but it um, i just show you it's just like it's you're you're gonna mess up, you know what I mean, you just right. have to you have to be able to recover well,
0: right, right, yeah. And hope that you're not with guys that are just. Some people are just Nazis about it, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. They,
1: they're, you're gonna have yeah. They're
0: yeah, be, but why like, you just kind of
1: yeah. I've I've definitely been in those situations too, where it's you know. Yeah. You you can feel the eyes burning through you. Like uh, he doesn't know what he's
0: doing. <laughs> exactly. Who hired this guy? <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, we were on the high school musical tour together. That was awesome. That's where I first met yeah. you and we uh we drank a little, we had a little fun, you know, and like took a bunch of kids' songs and and played the shit out of them every night, I feel like.
1: Yeah, it was a great band.
0: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So but I rem I seem to remember and correct me if I'm wrong, but like we the last uh date of the US tour, we played Staples Center and you like sound checked then you ran over to Center Staging and auditioned for Christina Aguilera. That's and right. Then you, like came back and played the show, and then like a week later, you're off on tour with Christina.
1: Yeah, that was a crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that was all at the same time. That's yeah. I we uh, that was the first audition. There was a callback, I think, the next day. And it was oh, right. a situation where, where her guitar player Tarek Akani, who I love great guitar mm-hmm. player
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh he left to go back on tour with Josh Groban. so there it was it was one of those things where they needed somebody quick right yeah that was that was that was a nice busy period in my life before we had kids and right uh, yeah, so I went straight from high school musical to Christina back to high school musical and then as soon as christina finished the next leg that's when i got the cv wonder gig that was a wow. good year 2006-7 that was good i mean those are some mm-hmm. great gigs yeah like, it was like it you know because that was my first big like, arena tour was high school musical the disney thing and wow. then it was, kind and then of it was
0: small all, all arenas after that yeah only arenas <laughs> and, i will do no club gigs yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah one thing that's amazing you seem to get a lot of gigs from auditioning and i've never gotten a single gig i've gotten one gig and that was at disneyland from an audition but and i've had a, a fairly decent career as well but i've never if if there's an audition and they invite me i just know i'm not going to get the gig but you seem to get it mean, i hate
1: big. i hate auditioning and it's funny because since around that time i haven't done that i haven't done nearly as many as i i used to uh, but I, but
2: yeah
1: i audition for high school well that wasn't really an audition we kind of just
0: got it i came in later on that because tal wilkenfeld was originally the bass player and then she that's right that's she right. bailed out so I, I think chad recommended me to matt and then i just showed up the next day and ricky saw me and he's like okay cool you're fine <laughs> <laughs> there you go. but uh do you have any like so you hate auditions but do you have like a thing about do you go in with a conscious thing like i'm gonna this is what I do at an audition or you just go and you be yourself and it just turns out well.
1: Uh, well you try, I try, I mean, you try and be yourself and try and be as confident as possible, but again, you kind of got to read the the situation, you know, uh, for Christina, you know, it was more, it seemed more, at least initially, like it was a, a a visual thing they were looking for. You know, they they wanted us to, to learn choreography at that first audition, which I thought was great.
2: Wow. wow.
1: Uh, but um, but then in Stevie's audition, it was more just like we were jamming every day. Once he started coming,
2: wow. we
1: never played any of his music. We were playing giant steps and you know, fusion tunes and whatever nice. he felt like. And I remember at one point, like after five days of this, I called Nate. Nate Watts, the Uh bass player, his bass player for forever. Forever. Uh, And I said, Hey, so do I have the gig? And he said, well, you don't see any other guitar players showing up. (laughs) I said, well, he said, that's probably a pretty good sign. That's not really an answer, but okay. Um, (laughs) But It worked out. Yeah. I ended up getting it. And then there's, you know, other audition gigs that were Michael Bolton. That was a rough one.
0: Yeah, I was there at that one. I, I auditioned for that we played together on it but i got That's there nice. i got there and like three out of the four songs that we had to learn were in completely different keys and the the charts were in the wrong keys and and they're not they were like you know a million chords in a ballad now yeah. go down like a fourth
1: you know yeah. like was, yeah they, we we got fixed on
0: that one for sure <laughs> but there again you got the gig and i didn't So whatever your secret is, it's it's working, or it worked. That
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, a good a a large amount of fear and a big smile. (laughs) Act like you know what you're
0: doing. Oh man, that should be the name of your next record. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So you got the Stevie Wonder gig, and that's awesome, right? You were he was he was an idol of yours, obviously. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I I listened to him. since uh since i was in utero uh, my, my my parents actually tell the story of listening to uh, uh, the album songs in the key of life when i was when my mom was pregnant with me but
2: wow that was, uh, that's cool my whole
1: life and went through phases like i remember my parents listening to it and then i got back into it really in high school and was in a stevie wonder cover band when i was 18 or 19. Oh, wow so that was really exciting to get that gig
0: yeah, so having worked with him so much now, do you still idolize him? Has, has it made you like him more? Or you know, they say don't meet your heroes sometimes. You know, but uh, I mean,
1: he's unbelievable. It's, yeah. to to be able, because he's very giving musically. You know, what I'm.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: he 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 shares his gift. He spreads kind of that that his his way of songwriting, and so being able to to be around him when he's writing a song and when he's giving people parts and all that stuff is really kind of special. Wow. uh, Kind of made me see him in a whole different light. I mean, not not really different, but just like it expanded my reverence for him. You know what I mean? It's like, man, the the way he thinks, the way uh, he uh, kind of lets the song tell him what to do.
0: Right. Wow. Cool.
1: Really, kind of a big teaching experience for me, learning right. yeah.
0: And there's a great uh YouTube video of your solo on Spain. And yeah. uh, it, like when you have a short spot like that, when it's like introducing Errol, do you kind of do the same thing every night, or is that all improv? You try to change it up every night when it because it's like exactly. eight, sixteen bars, right?
1: Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it was cool. It's fine. You know, I mean, it's cool to have been a part of it. Mm-hmm. But it was just like one dynamic level, 16 bars, arrow, go. And everybody kind of had the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, it changed a little bit every night. I definitely had like some themes that yeah. I would kind of expound on. Right. But, uh, yeah, I dreaded that every single night. Wow. <laughs> every time we did it. Man. I mean, some sometimes it came out great. That one was okay. I,
0: <laughs> I thought it was great.
1: Well, thank you. That's yeah. Good. So don't worry, I liked it. As long as you like it, I'm good.
0: Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'll I'll start uh, sending you notes every time I see you doing cool cool shit on YouTube, just <laughs> to make you feel yes. good. <laughs> don't and,
2: worry, it's not that bad, dude.
0: Come no, you're on. fine. It was it was extremely fine.
2: That was the most adequate solo.
0: (laughs) You're really doing your job up there. I like it. And it's a huge band. Yes. And it got
1: bigger, right? The, the, at, by the time we did the Songs in the Key of Life tour, which was 2015, I think, uh-huh. there was a string section on stage. There wow. was a choir. There was two of everything, two drummers, and several keyboard players, like four keyboard players. Wow. Uh, including him, two guitar players, two percussionists. Yeah, it's a massive band. So that's another thing. It's, you really kind of got to. Be careful how you uh, approach playing with such a large group of people. You know, like you don't want to. Of course, everybody wants to to yeah. show what they can give to the music, but really, right. you got to let music tell you what to do. You gotta serve the music. You know, that's right. something I, I'd always said to me, growing up so I always serve the art form.
0: And did you? Uh, is he? Is, does he hang? Is it like a guy like, or is he kind of yeah. in in and out? Did you ever? You know what I mean. We hung a
1: few times. Yeah, um, I I remember on one of the early tours, his birthday, we would always have some kind of hangout. He would have dinners and stuff. Oh, that's cool. But, I mean, he he travels with his own party. You know, there's always like the mm-hmm. artist party, the band party, the crew party. So right. we didn't always hang, but he was always, you know, he always spoke to everybody. Always wanted you to speak to him because you know, it's, yeah, when when you know you're you're blind. You <laughs> yeah. kind of have to have people come up to you. You're not going to, unless you know, you're asking to go see somebody. Right. So, uh, yeah, he, he would go out of his way to make sure he spent some time with everybody.
0: That's great. Cool. And he has a massive catalog. And yeah. did, you, did you just have to learn it? <laughs> yeah. Kind of. I mean, just, uh, you
1: can't really learn. I don't think, there's anybody including him that remembers all 5 600 of those songs verbatim you know
2: right but
1: yeah. as you play them they come back to you so yeah i i did i mean of course all the hits you got to learn but but yeah. and i had the advantage of being a huge fan so i know them anyway you know and right. they, you know i can sing along to all of them for the most right. part right 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 so that's helpful but he'll pull the most random stuff, I mean, you want to talk about the opposite of we were talking about how Janet Jackson's show is locked in his show uh-huh. until we did the songs in the Key of Life So was we never knew what he was going to do. I mean, once we got a few weeks into a tour, mm-hmm. he kind of would have a plan. Um, yeah, but I mean we had a there, there's a guy that would basically kind of we called him the catcher because he would be on a microphone on the side of the stage with a list of songs. And he'd call him. He'd, he'd say it in the microphone, we'd hear it in the ears, and Stevie would shake him off or just start playing the song. Wow. So it was like, you know, pitcher-catcher relationship. Right. Um, That's crazy. But I found out, yeah, about that guy about a month into the gig. I wish I had known about that guy earlier. I was like, please put him in my ears so I have some idea of what's coming.
2: <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, it, we, he he would pull out songs... I and mean, not even he would pull out covers like and wow. it, he he just you know that's kind of he's a free spirit in that way he doesn't want to yeah. do the same thing every night and did you have tracks so for some songs mostly not mostly not yeah that's cool. as, as as again as it went on we did more stuff with clicks and tracks um but never everything i mean yeah. There was a couple of times where they would try and catch him because there's a couple of songs that had like orchestras in the box. Right. Um, Overjoyed, always had a track. Uh So that one, you know, they would try and catch him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. And was, I mean, the guy was amazing that he caught him as much as he did, but not <laughs> you're not always, always going to catch that, the beat. And then it's, you know,
0: yeah.
2: Ah! <laughs> we're going down we're going down
0: <laughs> yeah don't put the tracks in your ears <laughs> <laughs> fight uh, through it fight
2: through it you'll make it
0: <laughs> wow that's cool well i was watching the uh 25th anniversary rock and Roll Hol- hall of fame when oh. he was on and uh like there you were and i was like oh that's errol and then like john legend comes out and. Sting and Jeff Beck and BB B. King and I'm like, there's God, errol playing amazing. with all these legendary people. Like, that was, was awesome. That just must have
1: been insane, right? Yeah, I mean that was insane. The rehearsals for that were insane
2: because
1: uh, again, you know, I didn't know what I was. I knew it was. I knew it was that. I knew it was the, the anniversary for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That was what the show was. But I didn't know all those guests were coming. So they started coming in. You know, BB King comes in you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, useless. Um, but that was, yeah, that was amazing. Getting to play with all those guys. I, I everybody you mentioned, Jeff Beck, I mean,
2: yeah. Man,
1: um, who shaves his armpits. That was a surprise. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Uh, it, so that was a you want to talk about going down. So you saw the, the, the edited version, right? But when So that, that, That was a, you know, it was a live show. It wasn't like it was all produced for TV. So there was a big crowd and they were trying to do pretty big stage changes. It had a a turntable stage.
0: Right. Right.
1: So we're setting up on the back as I think Crosby, Steele, Nash are playing on the front.
2: Uh So we're
1: all set up. We got our ears. We hear everything. Turn the stage around. Lights come on. No sound.
2: Uh,
1: the front of house board would not would not fire up it couldn't you know it was one of those things where it just it was running on windows and it would not fire up oh no so we're just standing there and it wasn't that long because they figured out how to send They we we were going to uh the recording truck and they were they figured out how to send the lines back from the recording truck to the pa gotcha so and that, and our front of house guy was on a phone telling him what to turn up and down. It was
0: <laughs> wild. Oh my gosh. But, wow. you
1: know, the magic of television, you couldn't tell any of that happened. When they edited couldn't it.
0: tell at the all. The ears
1: still worked. I mean, we sounded fine to us. Uh, the crowd at first only heard drums for the first song.
0: Jeez. <laughs> so did they have to stop the show and start over or did you just plowed right through it?
1: We just plowed through it. I mean, it started off, I think, yeah, the first thing they got up was his vocal mic and his keyboard. So he started playing, and then the drums came up. So slowly, it was like a, we kind of jammed through the first song, and then we started our set. Wow. That's crazy. Madison Square Garden,
0: fucking, you know, 30,000. <laughs> no big deal.
1: Just give us one second.
0: <laughs> uh, we've done this before, I swear.
1: <laughs> uh, uh yeah and I, you know and all these other awesome people were there like Crosby Steele and Nash and Bruce Springsteen played after us and everybody had all these great special guests and Bonnie Raitt and my you know wow. all, all these heroes of mine are playing guitar and singing
0: So uh, one more Stevie Wonder thing that I wanted to ask you about is the White House performance Uh-huh how what was it like to be performing like basically in obama's lap
1: here wait a second i think i have this picture here somewhere oh cool yeah i mean it, you know that's that's the white house it's a small room you know so you really feel like it's like playing in you know somebody's big living room or something right um so i like herbie hancock was sitting like three inches you know i, I felt like i i couldn't turn without hitting him with the headstock of my guitar. Wow. And you know, there's Obama and his wife and all I mean that that was yeah, an amazing experience. Being being there all day, going through that that uh, security and everything.
0: Yeah. Did you get to uh, hang hang out with the president? Other than I, I would, just for the photo. We
1: kinda we kinda strong armed our way in for the photo, the,
0: the uh the um
1: uh, what do you call it, the person running the the publicist. I um, should know that word because my wife is a publicist.
0: <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. And
1: uh, the publicist was trying to not let the band in and we just kinda gotcha. all at the same time. And and I I remember Obama saying, Oh, here they come, here comes the band.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he was really super nice, shook all her hands, took the picture, and uh, then they had a party, they had a reception afterwards. So they they were there for a very short time. But, gotcha. that's great. but that was very that was uh, a cool experience. And the strangest thing about it was that the director of the, the show, the PBS program that they were filming, mm-hmm. right, was the mother and the aunt of one of my best friends in high school who I had not seen. I hadn't seen either one of them since high school. And I was like, I know. I recognize their faces. We wow. figured it out. Wow. So, yeah, we ended up hanging out afterwards. and
2: That's bizarre. cool
0: small world and Biden was sitting there too he might be our next president who knows yeah I mean I guess that's what we're we have to hope for yeah we well, don't to, we don't
1: have very many good options
0: <laughs> as usual <laughs> yeah that was uh that was very cool though and wasn't was, Barry Gordy sitting there too is that yeah he was there he, he was like next to Biden yeah pretty cool yeah right,
1: and I'm telling you they're all like you know I'm sitting here playing and they're right in front of me
0: was that sort of nerve wracking, or did you feel like it was a
1: little bit nerve wracking? There's something about having yeah. Herbie Hancock that close to you, to <laughs> yeah. I, not so much the politicians,
0: right? Right, right, yeah. But, but did uh, you know you were doing kind of a historic thing there?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and you know what that music I I know like the back of my hand, you know, I know that music better than yeah. I know any other, so right, you know, I
2: had
1: to just kind of let that go and trust, trust myself, trust that it would come through.
0: Right. Wow. And it was a
1: great band too. It was a, you know, kind of a mixture of Ricky Miner's band and Stevie's band. playing.
0: It. Yeah. It was much smaller. <laughs> yes. Not quite as many. <laughs> Cause you couldn't fit anybody else on that
1: stage. It was, yeah, there's no way. There's no yeah. way. So you're doing a lot of sessions from home. I have been doing a few. Yeah. I, I did the, uh, you know a fair number two or three per week probably sometimes this week i've actually got more i'm i'm a little backed up which is great you know i'm i haven't really tried like you know i'm lucky enough blessed enough people have just been kind of calling me in a steady stream
0: that's great cuz this mm-hmm. might be our future
1: i mean it's, it kind of seeming like it i i you know eventually people are going to have to have live music in or you know the world will
2: end
0: I think, I, think, <laughs> I think you're right i think people are yeah i think people.
1: eventually people i i mean i'm already starting to see you know shows you know social distance shows or whatever where they have a, a limited crowd this you know smaller places obviously but um yeah. certainly in states like texas and florida they're they're rushing to get to yeah what doing.
0: so what are you recording into since you're doing so much somebody I'm using logic. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Nice. And do you, are you hip? Do you use the Kemper stuff? Are you micing things up? Or are you? I've got
1: I, I've got this. I've got an ISO cab with uh, a couple of different Mesa Boogie heads. Oh, cool. And uh, a preamp and SM57. I've got have got an acoustic mic that I use. But yeah, I'm trying to do as much real stuff as possible. Real micing, real speakers. This is hard to do in a garage. It's, you know, that's why, that's the good thing about the nighttime recording is that there's not a lot of noise. During the day, it's hard to record acoustic instruments in here. But the the, the ISO cabinet works
2: great.
0: I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast. As a new podcast, getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road. Uh... Or off the road, as the current case may be. If you would like to support the podcast, all you gotta do is subscribe wherever you listen. And if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun, and once again, thank you for listening. So you mentioned Philip Phillips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a lot of you guys on the internet, on the YouTubes, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it looked like a totally fun gig. It seems it like it a guy, lot of fun.
1: He has really see.
0: good chemistry.
1: Yeah, we have a great time playing together. It's yeah. uh, he loves he loves to just open it up and kind of let it go wherever it goes. So there's lots of soloing, lots of jamming kind of stuff, and he's
0: still still out there doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's really. I mean, he loves to do the live stuff, and he's got a small, really dedicated fan base. So, so we were doing like city wineries mm-hmm. all over, all over the country, right? And they were like ninety nine percent sold out, and wow. you know, just just with the two of us, we were we had a great time. That was uh, January and February of this year.
0: Oh, that's great. Because yeah, he yeah. seems like one of the more talented you know, winners of American Idol.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And <laughs> hey, he's, he's a good songwriter too, a really talented songwriter.
0: You had worked with American Idol before, right? Were you in the, like the house band or? I, I,
1: I was, well, I met him doing the tour, um, but, but I had played going back to Fantasia who won. I, I was her musical right. director for a while. Uh, that's how I met my wife, actually. She was her day-to-day manager and I was her musical director. Right. Uh, and then I, I did, I was, I never was in the house band, but I did a lot of guesting with the house band. Like when they needed an extra guitar player, that was through Ricky also. And then, um, Ray Chu after him hired me for some stuff.
0: Are you a fan of the American Idol show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of, of how much
1: work it's given me and a million <laughs> of my friends.
2: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, and I, and just uh, the whole, singing competition genre in general yeah, uh, you know I mean it's just that's that is such a huge chunk of the work that all the musicians I know have been doing especially in LA right Uh, so you know it's it's corny or whatever but I mean thank God for the work because
0: yeah it's really brought live music back to television yeah exactly and you played in a couple of the grammy house bands too as well right yeah
1: yeah i did uh only one of the one of the ricky house bands we did there there were there were kind of different like uh different groups within the house band oh right um so i did one of those and then i i I played on it a few oh actually there was the 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 Barry Gibb thing. So yeah, there's there's been a couple times I've done it, but you know that's always kind of a mishmash. There's some house band stuff, and there's some you know some people always want to bring their band too.
0: Oh right, right. So those good experiences.
1: Yeah, I mean you know that's another thing where it's just so much build up, and then the performance is three minutes or ten minutes. You know if you if you're doing a house band kind of thing, maybe you get seven or eight minutes on camera. Right. Uh, So. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to it's cool to be around, but it's it's mostly you're just locked in a in a dressing room, and then you run out there and play, and then you leave. Yeah. I remember I was, you know, I had to go pick up my wife from work, so I couldn't hang around. <laughs> First time I did it.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And those are all at the Staples Center, right? Yeah, yeah. There was
1: one in New York a couple of years ago. I didn't actually play that when I played at the one of the events, the Clive Davis party that happened. But yeah, for the most part, they're always at the Staples Center. So tell me about Legally Blind. Yes, Legally Blind. I, I, that's a, a band. My band, we've been together for 20 years now, we figured out, which is wow. um, But I mentioned earlier, Eric Smith and Jubu Smith, who were uh, two big influences of mine, two big uh, you know, parts of my career. Um, I met Eric. The bass player when i moved to the bay area playing clubs and he got me on my first tour mm-hmm. and uh, we started the band it's it's uh, Jibu's the leader he's my favorite guitar player in the world that's cool uh, he writes the songs and sings lead mostly and uh we've been doing you know we did a, a couple albums we've been playing together for uh, quite a long time now
0: that's cool and that i saw you in new york with those guys Yeah, exactly. The SOBs, and uh, I just listened to the the whole record today too. It's just really great. It's 2015 record, I guess, right? You right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really cool stuff. It's like bluesy, it's jazzy, it's R and B. Yeah, it's a great great combination. Yeah. Um, So, are you guys working on more stuff?
2: Yeah, we we
1: uh, we've got a few things. You know, it's one of those. It's hard to get us all together at the same time especially now obviously
2: right Uh, yeah
1: but we've got a few things in the can and we're planning on doing some recording and getting back out there we did the last public gig i did was with legally blind in dallas on february 22nd
2: oh wow that was the
1: very last thing i did yeah that was great that playing with those guys it's like you know it's like being home
2: Touch me
0: you met them in in the Bay
1: Area? Yep. Yep. I met Eric playing at clubs and playing, you know, cover gigs and he was already out touring and he kind of said, oh, hey, we got to, we got to, we, they, they wanted to have two guitar players because most of the songs he writes for two guitars, so I was lucky enough that they liked me. (laughs) Well, you're likable
0: sometimes. I don't know usually when we're together we've been drinking a lot more than now so we're both yes. I think we're both more likable when we're not drinking well when we are drinking
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I like myself better when I'm drinking I don't know if that's yeah
1: see that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> tell. I think Yeah, that's people true. like you more when I'm right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what they think as much. That's the beauty of it.
1: Ah, there you go.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of that, I've always kind of been impressed with your sort of fearlessness and lack of ambition or inhibitions, not ambition. What am I <laughs> <about>? <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Well. Lack of inhibitions. Um, and I wonder, I've always wondered since your dad was an actor and you kind of grew up in the whole theater thing, if that sort of stems from that kind of training you know like the whole acting thing of Maybe. just being fearless and like you know committing to a role and 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 not caring so much about what people think i don't know i just see you yeah as-
1: i think i i don't know i think
0: i don't know i mean i definitely of course have
1: you know my share of insecurities but uh i do think that i've always found that if you just throw yourself into the situation and just kind of you kind of try your best not to give a shit what anyone thinks. Right. You, you, you will perform better. You will become more one with the, with the, with the music, you know? Like, right? mm-hmm. um, and maybe that does come from kind of being around, seeing my dad kind of throw himself into roles and seeing my brothers singing and at their best, kind of letting themselves go. Yeah. Uh, and then just, you know, feeling it myself, I remember those first few like good moments in performance where I really felt like I wasn't, I didn't matter so much, but, you know, it's right. more like a kind of, I was kind of a pathway for this thing almost. And it sounds maybe cheesy, but, but that's when I felt my best is when I kind of took myself out of it and let myself go. You
0: know? Right. Yeah. you're kind of channeling.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like you're a conduit
0: for the yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that definitely comes across when you're playing. I think you're, you're kind of completely in the moment, you know, but yeah. Yeah, which is what makes it you know, great. That's why,
1: when, it's, when it's at its best, that's what it, that's what it feels like to me is that you're just kind of at one with this thing that's happening.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, don't get in his way.
0: Right. And you seem like a guy who really loves to play. That- uh, yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. I mean, still, I of course, there's a lot of of it that is a job. You know, the more you play, it feels more like a job. But it's always there's always something that reminds me how much I love it. There's always something that that uh that kind of brings me back to that. That reminds me how much I love what I'm doing. You know, it's, it could just be something small. If you know, I'm playing. Some kind of horrible pop music, but there's always something in it that will, that will, uh, you know, bring me back to that love of music that I am.
0: Yeah, we're pretty lucky you to be able to do what we do, I think. Yeah, oh my god, I don't know what the hell else I'd do, and we're getting a good taste of like not having it right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> reminded I mean, pretty, how lucky we were. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of that, like, well, you better fucking be thankful for what you have
2: right because, you
0: know yeah. how
1: many people get to do this
0: yeah definitely nobody right now <laughs>
1: nobody at all <laughs> yeah but we can talk about it on the screen
0: yeah i know it's a weird time to start a podcast like this because how do you get into the music business well you, there is no music business <laughs> i don't know but, uh, <laughs> but at the same well, time i five. think there will be one
1: <laughs> yes they'll come back, they'll
0: come yeah, back. yeah, well, you've had like one of those careers so far anyway that just never seems to stop. It's like you got good gig to good gig to good gig, and i wonder do do you feel like that's your career, or do do you always I always kind of feel even when I'm at my doing some cool gigs, I always feel sort of unemployed, but people from the outside were like, "Wow, you just have had a steady career. Does it feel like you have a steady career, or do you always feel no?" Where's my next? I always
1: case? feel like I'm right on the edge of what's the next thing. Yeah. yeah. I never, I mean, I, if I, I, it's funny because actually with my current situation, I've, i this is the most stable income I've ever had unemployment, <laughs> but, but it's, yeah. Even I'm always kind of thinking about what the next thing is going to be. And generally I have no control over it. So it doesn't do me any good. Right. But it's always kinda of in the back of my mind. Even you know, if I if I've got three months of work in front of me, that's that's great. That's as far in the future as I think I've ever had at any given time. Right. Um, uh, so yeah. I don't know. that answer your question? Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. so. It's just interesting like how you see people's careers from the outside and how it really feels when you're that person, you know. It's yeah, like- it's it's
1: definitely feels more tenuous than just like, ah, oh, I'll definitely get something after this, and I, I, I've I've been so lucky to yeah. get gigs that it's you know it's never I I never assume though that it's it's gonna something else is gonna come I uh, you know I've screwed up enough in my life to warrant people not hiring me anymore, but somehow <laughs> somehow I keep getting hired.
0: Yeah, well, it's because you're a badass player, mostly, <laughs> and a pretty cool dude. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm not too bad, I hope. Yeah. Which I think is important, right? It's a pretty important part of this whole thing that we do is like being a good guy and being a good hang and
1: Yeah, being able to get along because you're you're only on stage for what, an hour usually or two hours.
2: Yeah.
1: And you gotta be around all these people on the road, especially. You're living together the yeah. rest of the day. You're sleeping on a, you know, in bunks in the middle of the night and waking up and Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's Definitely being able to get along with people in close quarters is uh, is a big a big part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think B.B. King said one time, uh, I think it was B.B. King, probably mm-hmm. just me, but he said, uh, you can make a mediocre player better, but you're never going to make an asshole a nice guy.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect.
0: Oh, man. So where do you see like the music business going because it just seems so scary with music being free now. And like, do you think like people coming up, you think there's going to be gigs for people?
1: Um, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to go all the way away. i there there's, you know, like, like I said earlier, I was kind of joking around, I, but people are always going to need some sort of live music. And, Yeah, I was talking to to my brother just the other day. He he works on the grounds crew for the Astros uh, in Houston. That's cool. It's it's, yeah, it's a great gig. Uh, Of course, he's not working right now, but they still talk. And and he works with a bunch of young guys, and they're all really into jazz and R and B and live music. And I I think that will always keep like. There's always going to be people getting introduced to live music and all its forms that are gonna be into it because it's just it's just so cool, you know what I mean? Like it's right. you know, kinda undeniable. And of course people will be into different types of stuff, but it's never yeah. gonna go away. And, and you know, the, the whole streaming thing and I mean it's been going on for most of my career. And uh, you That's know, good. I think the record the the big record labels screwed that up royally
2: yeah
1: at the time it happened. But you know, music survives, you know what I mean? especially, and and I think for the smaller groups and the groups trying to, you know, get their stuff out there, it might be a good thing. Groups like Legally Blind, we're, we're able to kind of get our music out there through word of mouth groups, you know, like right. Snark Puppy and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they kind of created their own following without the help of those big Record industry, uh you know, right? People, so yeah, I think in some way it's always going to be around. Yeah, people, it's, it, it's it's it. You can get really dark and depressed if you look at what's happened over the years, but then you you're 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 cutting out all the good stuff that's happened too. You're not looking at that.
0: Yeah, I think to some degree it's kind of part of human nature. This whole yeah. music thing, it's like a human expression, so we'll never be without it. Hopefully. Yeah, no, more not. viruses than we'll
1: be. <laughs> uh, so I think, uh, you know, I keep reading this stuff about virus fatigue now. It's like, uh, people are done with
0: it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like,
1: right, we're going to get sick, whatever. We're going to get sick.
0: Yeah. So when's your next gig on the books?
1: Well, technically, I'm supposed to start my Janet Jackson tour in, what, a week? They haven't uh, they haven't canceled that, but oh, I'm expecting really? we're not going to do that. <laughs> where, where is it supposed to start? Miami in like June 26th or something. I mean it's 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 postponed. Got you. But they haven't, you know, since they don't know, they haven't told us anything about when it's going to come back. We were supposed to be on tour the whole summer. Wow. Well, she's she's coming out with a new album. I don't know what her progress is on that because I don't I think, you know, kind wow. of this all this stuff happened when she had still not completely finished it. So
0: Well, that's great. It's great that that gig has kept on going.
1: Yeah, I love it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure whenever, you know, whenever we get the clearance, we'll be, we'll be out there.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Talking music. Yeah. And I'm keeping you up late and I know you're going to have to get up for your kids.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. This has been
0: fun. It's fun to hang with you. So has it been cool having the extra time to hang out with the fam? Oh other yeah, other than yeah. the hard work, it's got to be pretty. Yeah, good. It's,
1: it's super hard work, but I—I I mean, it's really like this is the most time I've ever spent and probably ever would have spent with my kids, you know, because they're yeah, yeah. at school and I'm on tour and Aaron's at work, like, and this is forcing us to be together for 24 hours a day, <laughs> but, all uh, the time, all the time. But it really is wonderful. It's like, yeah. I'm getting to know them better than I probably ever would have otherwise, you know, yeah. and that's, there's, there's something really special about that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's hard as a road dog to have the yeah. kid thing, you know, Yeah, I'm just, I imagine you, I haven't done it yet, but I imagine, uh, it's gotta be a lot to juggle.
1: Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's it's hard It's it's hard. on um, my wife, you know, who's kind of decided early in our marriage that she wasn't going to travel anymore. So, Um, it's, it's definitely hard to struggle to, to to juggle. It is a struggle to juggle.
0: Hey, so there's a song in there somewhere. Juggle juggle. Well, we got to hang out sometime for real when we can not not wear masks.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do another one of these on that couch back there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: Let's, let's hang out for real. Let's do a gig together.
0: Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Where would we do that? Like in my garage? (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) No, definitely. Let's do it. Thanks for coming on and we'll, we'll do it again and have a drink. (laughs) Sounds good.
2: Sounds good. Have some lemonade. (laughs) Exactly. All right, man. A
0: A large amount of fear and a big smile. I think that's, So brilliant and so impressive. I think that's what impresses me the most about Errol Um, is that he's willing to sort of throw himself in the fire and put himself in situations that are uncomfortable and scary, quite frankly. I mean, there's a lot of pressure when you're putting yourself in a Grammy band saying yes to that gig and knowing there's going to be a bunch of reading and that you're probably going to stumble, but you do it anyways that takes some that takes some balls and some brilliance and it's gotten him pretty far you know because i mean obviously he's a phenomenal player but it takes a little more than that you've got to be able to deal with the pressure of being on the grammys you know <laughs> and and having to read and having guys breathing down your throat that that are really really good and that's you know la is full of guys that are really really good and it makes people at the top have a little less patience with people who aren't really, really good. There's a big lesson to be learned, I think, from Errol in that in that sense. And that's really what it's all about, Scott. Getting out of your comfort zone, doing scary things, and learning from every experience, you know. And he I think he's a brilliant example. His whole career is. Um and I think it's really exciting when you meet people that are as talented as him and as humble as him. Because, you know, ego is a big factor in this whole thing that we do here and in performance. You know, it's an important thing that you have to have, but it's also a thing that left unchecked can get you into a lot of trouble and at the least make you not that fun of a person to hang out with. So it's inspiring to meet people who are humble and super talented. I was also by the way just only giving him shit about not being likable (laughs) because as you can tell he's a super likable guy and that's another big strength of his he's just real fun hang he's a cool dude and he's, he's a lot of fun. A couple of things to clarify, at one point I talked about Chad recommending me to Matt for the High School Musical Tour. I was talking about Chad Wright, who's on another episode of this podcast that you should look up. He's really awesome. And Matt Rohde was one of the keyboard players and co-musical directors. Matt also plays on American Idol and Jane's Addiction, and just his list of credits is unbelievable, so check him out. Um, Teddy Campbell, of course, was the drummer for The Tonight Show, when Ricky Minor was the Musical director, and he's amazing. Look him up. And Tarkaconi is a guitar player who's really amazing. He plays with Josh Groban, David Foster, and he's has another one of these crazy, awesome resumes. He's a Berkeley guy um, and a really cool dude. So I think that's it. I hope you had fun.
2: I'm a a star.
0: Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case, and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams.